Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the I'll Try That podcast. We are got a very special guest today. We've got uh, James Heffron of the uh, Head Brewer. Can I say that right, James? Of the, the Dance Brewery, um, hailing from Cornwall. And honestly, I'm so excited for this episode. Um, and, and James, you have very kindly um, supplied us with quite a few lovely tasty beverages uh, that we're going to go through and, and, and chat about. So, um, James, I'd love to hand the mic over to you and just kind of, you know, kind of say hi. Hi. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, I mean, I personally didn't send the beers to you. Someone else did. And they've done a, they've done a wonderful job at that, so it seems. <laughs> the hat's off to Tim. I think, you've, you know, you've got your people to talk to our people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, it's, it's always a pleasure to be asked to do these kinds of things. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm always surprised that, um, you know, people want to listen to me waffle on about stuff. So here we go. <laughs> that's exactly the same reaction we got when we when we realised people actually listened to us. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took, it took them a few weeks to start off with, to be fair yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. It's good to talk. It is, and I think people are probably going to be way more interested to hear you talk than it is for us. So we're actually very excited to to get you going on this. So. Talk to us, I guess, James. So, um, Verdant, I mean, you guys started in 2014 and, you know, from my perspective, exploded. I think you guys hit the scene, um, you know, and every time I've tried a Verdant beer, I've been blown away by it. And what would you, I guess, kind of say, you know, how, how have things kind of been this kind of 2014 to where we are now? Personally speaking, it's always felt incredibly right and nat- natural uh, is the, the easiest way of putting it. Um, I mean... It, I don't know. Surely you guys have done stuff in your lives where it's just felt inherently correct. Um, so if you if you can think of experiences like that, whether that's professional, private, or whatever it is, this is this is how this still feels to me. Um, I can't speak for the other founders you know rich rich and adam as well they've we all experience it differently but yeah for, i've just from a flavor and recipe perspective this is just it's just been an absolute joy from start to now um yeah the, the company was formed in september 2014 um, i mean there was a good couple of years prior to that where we were trying you know home brewing trying different things and generally just getting very excited about these newer hop flavors that were suddenly they suddenly seem to be everywhere you know even down in deepest darkest cornwall and um yeah and uh, i mean i came from a a a catering background uh my wife and i set up a little catering business uh running making falafels and it was all very very successful um she's she's from the middle east and and it was just all this this product all based around explosive flavor and um yeah that that sort of experience of starting a small business with very low overheads it was super exciting and i think it's difficult for me to underestimate how much confidence that gave me to do it do it again uh, in the beer world and that's kind of what ha- it was really a very easy equation. It was like I'm obviously super interested in flavor, strong flavors, but it, and this belief that if it's really exciting to me, then it's going to be exciting to other people as well. Um, and that's what led me to brewing. 
and immediately filling the freezer up with hops at home and uh, like literally overnight suddenly we didn't have any freezer space um, <laughs> and then fermenting you know under the stairs and here all over dotted around even my my eldest kid robin who's 11 now he remembers these uh buckets and stuff dotted around the house <laughs> uh, which i think is really amazing you know that, that that's actually part of the family history <laughs> so to speak um rudimentary yeah. brewing kit add, adds flavor right this is I yeah. Love this. <laughs> yeah 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 and it it was it's so cool that the, the little catering experience previously was um i think i started to really enjoy buying ingredients in bulk so sacks of in that case sacks of chickpeas uh pit middle eastern pitters bought by the thousand you know like cucumbers all this sort of stuff and then and then turning it into this product that was then sold and in, in that particular business it was you know here's the thing you handed over the cash and there were you got to know the person and also there was this lovely rapport and also you you saw them really enjoy the product so it's slightly different now because it's rare that you actually... The tap room's interesting because you kind of get that thing going on. I get stopped a lot downstairs yeah. where people are like, okay, oh, you're James from Vernon. There's lots of questions and we talk about it all. And there's still that excitement about flavor. But it's uh, now it's an aluminium can and it gets popped in a box and it goes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My own approach to it all is, is exactly the same. It's about um, trusting the fact that other people are going to really enjoy the exciting flavors and and that's it so that i just tried to never lose sight of that i'm intrigued so so when was like the kind of eureka moment when you were kind of like well this is going really well for us these beers are fantastic people are really responding to it was there one point you were kind of like we've got something here we're going to really pursue and we're really going to push it stupidly confident we've all been i mean uh, yeah from a flavour perspective, I've, I've never been short of this egotistical confidence of like, you know, we can, I, I'm pretty sure we can wallop more flavour into these beers than yeah. anyone else. You know, that kind of thought process. In terms of a particular moment, I think there was always that confidence, which is important to have. Otherwise, you'll just be doubting everything at every turn. Mm. You've got to kind of be blindly going for something but i remember watching this hazy new england thing happen and that would have been 2012 2013 you know seeing hill farmstead alchemist uh treehouse i I remember treehouse being really interesting because they were quite they seemed to be about a year ahead of where we were maybe two years so where they were upscaling from a little homebrew thing to a thousand liters we were just starting the homebrew and it's kind of following suit i think very different scale and treehouse are completely crazy with what they're doing now but um it was really interesting to be brewing in a shipping container at the time (laughs) weekly whilst whilst holding we were all holding down other jobs looking at this beer style develop and evolve over the other side of the atlantic and it just wasn't here yeah. It wasn't here. And I, I, just from a visual perspective, I remember seeing these very hazy but incredibly unctuous looking drinks popping up on um, the brewery's websites. I can't even remember if Instagram was a thing then. 
I don't think it was, was it? Sounds a bit early for Instagram, doesn't it? It sounds like maybe like early doors to maybe it. Maybe there's only sort of four or five people on it at the time. <laughs> I can't even remember where I was gathering this information. Must have been MySpace. MySpace yeah. just ruled the world <laughs> yeah. before Instagram came on. <laughs> or just visions and dreams. It was They were just coming to you. It was a... Yeah, yeah. It was visions and dreams. Far too much LSD, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, and it was just, it was so obvious that it was, we, we were ahead of the game. Like, it was happening over there, literally thousands of miles away. And we're, the, the, the beer scene in the UK was really developing at quite a pace, but it was about 10 years behind what was going on in the States. And I, and I think we, I think we were, were very fortunate with our timing. There was probably some skill in there as well, but it, you know, let's be honest, it's lots of things, lots of times in business, it's about being fortunate. Yeah, we just got the timing right. But we also, so when we were in the shipping container, so it started in, uh, I remember brewing loads in my kitchen. I think Adam was brewing in his basement, etc. And then we moved to a 20-foot shipping container in a quarry. We weren't selling <laughs> selling beer at this time. We were oh. just... Um, just, just making, yeah. we were just ma- experimenting. We were just making beer and experimenting. Is this, is this in Penryn, James? Uh, yeah, uh, that well, the, the quarry was Trenoweth Business Park. It's like, sure. uh, yeah, a couple of miles outside yeah, Penryn. Yeah, that, that area. Yeah, and um, yeah, you know it. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the quarry, of course. <laughs> but nearby, but you, you guys have moved, moved too far as well, man. Like you guys don't know this, but, but Matt's got another podcast where he talks all about famous quarries around <laughs> yeah, the UK. That's, yeah, so, yeah. You know, that's, uh... That one sounds far more interesting than this one. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I'm, jo- I'm joking. This one's interesting. The yeah. listenership for Quarry Pod is is ridiculous. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> We dig dig deep into the big matters. <laughs> and so you should, absolutely. And uh, yeah, like, gosh, we, we just ploughed on with, with it in the shipping container, like doing all these test brews, doing single hot beers, and then developing this New England style with a certain strain of yeast that's now become, after mutation, become our own house yeast, that then anyone can buy this yeast in the world now. It's like... Oh. It's really mad. Um, and I think, it, yeah, we just, it was a, this really lovely combination of being savvy, confident, but also very fortunate. And so by the time we actually started selling beer, we, we were already very proficient within the hazy style, but also very proficient in the sort of less hazy, cleaner style as well. So we kind of, and we actually made a name for ourselves with light bulb headband, which is still, we make loads yeah. of light bulbs the biggest uh, in terms of volume beer that we make. Headband's still made every month at least. And they've barely changed in recipe, but they use Chico yeast, which is a classic West Coast yeast. They're sort of this, they straddle the coasts basically. But behind the scenes, we'd, we'd been working with LA3, this uh, English yeast that's, creates this juicy fluffy feel and all this saturation like exactly like you're drinking now i can see on the screen <laughs> and uh, um and uh, so we behind the scenes we had developed a skill set and beers and we were ready to go but what we didn't have was the ability to harvest the wet so to buy that yeast in for the new england ales at the time it was so expensive and so we couldn't just like buy the pitch, make the beer, and yeah. then throw the yeast away. It was it would have made the beer insanely expensive. 
So we were reliant on dry yeast so that you could buy dry Chico yeast. It was very reliable. So the beers were kind of forced to be a certain kind of style. And then um, I remember the moment we start, we got conical fermenters. That was when we moved from the site. After the shipping container, we were in another place. And then we moved to the next place. Then we could start to harvest the yeast. And then that would have been 2016. And then we kind of really hit the ground running with, okay, here's our New England IPA output. And it was just like, boom, there you go, world, bosh. And it, was, it wasn't like releasing beers and not knowing what we were doing. We, they were fully formed. We'd done two years of research and uh, practical research. And then, throw, then we started chucking them out into the world. And I think that was it. And we've all, we always try to be very consistent with the quality of our output. I think that's fast. There's a couple of. Th- there's so much. Thank you so much, James, for all that. There's so much things to unpack. Just, if you want me to shut up, just stick your finger. Oh, no, 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 that's no. perfect. <laughs> oh, please, that was, that was so unlikely. But just to jump on something, the last thing you said, and then I can maybe go back to something else about yeast that I, w- I was dying to ask you while you were talking about it. But the last thing you were talking about about having something that's quite consistent with your brewing, and I think that's something that we've you know we've taken for granted for as consumers is those kind of like the, the brewing styles of breweries that you can, it's almost like there's like a red thread within their beers that you know it's from a certain, like a, maybe of a blind blind taste test, you can taste yeah. that it's like got a red thread through the thing. Uh, you know, and I'm tasting three of your beers here and I can tell that these are like, they're, they're, from a sim- they're from you guys, Yeah, you know? And I think that's fantastic. I think the fact that that's like a different level of like, you know, brand kind of awareness is the fact that you know from a taste perspective that it's who you're drinking basically. Yeah, I think we've, We've def- well, the, yeah, the three beers that we're drinking now and, and were, we sent through, they, these are all fermented with our verdant yeast. Um, so there will be a, a character there just from the fermentation, but they're also insanely hoppy. Um, but it, I, think, I think you're right. We're, we're kind of well known, especially in the UK, for that kind of house character when when people drink our beers where we use verdant yeast and they're really saturated hazy ipas there's a there's a certain character where people know that that's a verdant beer and that could be you know that our yeast is in the world so anyone can use it and people people all over the uk use it all around the world use it but I do think that people can still pick our beers out on a, in a blind taste. I, I haven't figured out exactly what it is we're doing <laughs> to make that happen. I'll be, per- I'm not going to hide behind some kind of false science. I don't know. It, it's like there, there are so there are so many things. It's not prescriptive. It gets, you can't just. It's, it's not just based on spreadsheets. It's human beings doing amazing things. Out. I'm pointing. I'm doing this yeah. because that, I'm looking at the brewery. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm not just mad. James, I just quite thought that you might have like the whole of your brewing staff just lined up in yeah, front of yeah, you, yeah. you know, and you're just like <laughs> yeah. waving to them. Yeah, I thought I was wearing that new Apple thing. <laughs> the, the vision. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's really, you know, the 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 minute part of all of this is all about human beings and re- tweaking and refining processes sometimes the tiniest the smallest little changes that you think are insignificant they can't possibly have an effect on the beer in terms of quality or impact or punch and that kind of stuff 
can ha- can have a huge effect in in either direction, positive or negative. And it's, um, I think, you know, it, it, the, 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 there's a lot of passionate people that now work with us. So, and that's priceless, basically. Right, we're nearly six. If you include the site like the tap room, the seafood bar, and we just started a small residency for the summer in the North Coast, St. Agnes, in a bar there, we're we're definitely around sixty employees. So it's you know from going yeah it it's it really is a company that's about humans now more more than anything. So so I, I really do have to ask. I'm I'm looking at the three cans that you guys have sent us, and the artwork on these cans is absolutely phenomenal. I'm 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 looking at um I'm looking at the um, the one I've got is. Um, the El Sol Cultura is that? Am I pronouncing oh, yeah, that right? Yeah, or yeah, absolutely yeah. butchering it. This, I think, this is probably one of the most complex beer can designs I think I've ever seen. And I, I keep looking at it, and I keep seeing something different every single time. <laughs> is yeah. this, is this designed by somebody on your staff, or is this um, you've, you've hired somebody in? You've actually got a really good mix here. So the, the three cans you've been sent through are kind of. They're designed by well, it, they're not designed by three different people. Like James Wright, our, our main designer, he's bringing it all together and turning it into a label. But in terms of uh, the the Lucuna collab, this one, um, it's it's Luke's artworks. It's from his LP, which is which is available on a web shop get in there um, <laughs> so it's it's that artwork that's being put onto a, the label and it's just amazing isn't it oh uh, yeah and and we really that's a really important part of collaborations is to not just collaborate on the recipe it's to collaborate in on other levels if possible so artwork is a, a great example of that and then we've got the this one here, the the dipper, which was uh, it started out life as a collab with other half from Brooklyn. Uh, there was no why. This one was um, brought together and designed by Adam, the one of the founders. So in when we first started Verdon, like I was recipe guy, um, I still am. Rich was make things work guy, and Adam was design and sales guy. Those were the things, you know. It was like a Venn diagram, and that's why it worked. So that that's Adam, and then Sundialer is James Wright, our our dude now, our main dude, who does you know he just he's like a he's a label he's a label machine. He does is amazing. Does so many different things, you know, posters, labels, flyers, anything we need. It's quite stunning what James manages to pull together and work with with other people as well. You know, it's just incredible, and it's. Um, Easy to forget quite how incredible that is, to be honest. Yeah. And it's uh, when, when you're, um, it, it, I find that, you know, it's when I'm talking about it, it's like doing a brewery tour, for example, or talking about the labels now or the history of Verdant. It's not until you actually vocalize it that you, you yourself, as in me, in this instance, actually realize what the hell's happened here. Because it's, um, it's only until you talk, you, you vocalize it to get it out of your head to people who aren't within the, the, the company that you realize the, the journey that's happened. It's, I think it's pretty mind-blowing. 
I quite like that. That almost sounds like you're almost a successful band because you've got you know, a really good guitarist, <laughs> you've got a great drummer, a, yeah. a bassist who's, who you know absolutely slaps, and, <laughs> and yeah. a main dude. <laughs> Bring all those things together and it all kind of works. Main, I don't know who the main dude is. Just, well, it, but... I just won that title after I think you said James is <laughs> James was your dude. So. Oh yeah, James. Uh, let's say James writes the the main dude, the designer. He's he, he <laughs> James. James is Mick Jagger or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's gonna love that, I'm sure. I guess it is a bit like a band, and I don't know. I've never been in a band. Do you, have you Have you been in a band? <laughs> I was in, I was in, I was only in a brass band when I was in high school. So all oh, right, what did you play? I played the tube that really cool instrument the so, tuba yeah. wow that's where cool. all the girls running after him yeah. no to be fair you, you could blow a good tuba I could, your, I could your blow your a, best a good tuba but then I turned 18 and realised sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of took over uh, yeah so, as yeah. they do with all tuba players really yeah yeah that's nothing, yeah. mate. When I was in primary school, I learned how to play that Titanic song on a recorder so yeah. you know wow that's need a I, talent need yeah. I say more one-handed <laughs> no, not not for that song unfortunately yeah. <laughs> but well, three blind mice you had it down blind, yeah, with one yeah, hand yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no handed a classic the recorder has to be up there as one of the most annoying instruments in the world yeah I was I was torn I had to either pick between that or the bagpipes so uh, I went with the recorder <laughs> yeah. so, uh, yeah. bagpipes are pretty crap but at least they've got <laughs> yeah. a historical perspective <laughs> Um, Some I'm not people sure are where, the, where the hell does the recorder fit into anything? I, honestly, I think someone just, it's like a cruel joke someone played to say every person between the ages of three up to the age of five needs to have this annoying instrument and learn <laughs> yeah. how to play it yeah. in some respects. You know? I don't know who decided that was the right idea, but that it just seems to be the case across the UK. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I agree. It's all right, Joe. When your daughter turns three, that's her first birthday present. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I, Uncle Rich will get her all the annoying presents. Yeah. I got that. That's fine. Understood. <laughs> right, James, I want to go back to um, your kind of your location in, in Cornwall, and obviously coming up as like a craft brewer, um, you know, a craft brewer in kind of the, you know, terms, obviously a newer brewer, right? Did you find the atmosphere? For you know, from other breweries in the area, obviously, I'm thinking, you know, St. Alls, you know, the big guys in your area, yeah, were they receptive to you guys? You know, did you find any kind of pushback for you kind of muscling in as kind of a new player in this space, or you know, you know, what was the kind of a, did you have any relationship there? I suppose, where I'm kind of getting to. Well, the I'd say it wasn't until sort of COVID time, so 2020, 2021, that we had any considerable presence in the county. Just the comp the company wasn't it didn't grow for the first seven years of its life uh with it with any reliance on southwest sales. It's just bonkers. It, not through any kind of deliberate strategy. It was just um when we were producing and selling six no, twelve thirty litre kegs a week. So six kegs per batch. So we used to make we used to package six 30 litres of light bulb and six 30 litres of headband. This would have been in 2015, I think, in the third site, if you include our kitchens. And um, the, these these 12 kegs went to Bristol, London and Belfast, and that was it. These specific, those small, small bar in Bristol, uh, a bar in Belfast, and I can't remember the name of the pub in London. But... 
and that was it. It just went there. You know, th- those were those were the destinations. It wasn't anything to do with trying to get really to try and get our beer out in Cornwall. So we didn't have any. It was already gone. But then the the snowball had already been formed in the community just through these outlets, and and then uh, that and then it was just kind of got pushed down the hill, <laughs> and and just got bigger and bigger Turned and bigger. Avalanche. And then it the the rest of the UK wanted more of the beer, and we did we just found that we didn't we didn't have the time to or the resources in equipment, humans, whatever to focus on Cornwall as a as a place to be selling or pushing the sales of our beer. Um, and it's only since we've moved to this production site we're in now that we moved to in 2019 that's got enough capacity so we can brew enough beer to satisfy the demand and growing demand yes. okay. beyond the southwest and also devote salespeople, time, effort, and have the resources in terms of beer to offer to the Southwest as well. We also export beer. It goes to a, a lot of different countries now. Incredible. And, um, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's nuts. So it wasn't, you know, no, there's not been any, I don't remember any moment in the history of Verdant where we've had a beef of any kind with any brewer, <laughs> with any brewery in the Southwest. In fact, we've got, uh, we've got a collab coming up with St. Hostel. So, um, I, think, oh, I think they're brewing a we're brewing a beer at theirs in August and then we're doing a we're doing a return leg here I'm not sure we haven't dialed we haven't nailed down when we're doing the return leg but that's pretty exciting and then we've um, I mean I, I love St. Austell's beers a proper job was one of the total gateway like I couldn't get over how great fruity that beer was when it, yeah, it, yes. it used to be like I think it used to be five percent on the pumps, you know. I think it's four and a half now draft. Um, but I remember 2010, 2011, you know, downing pints of that and just being like, "Where the f- is that grapefruit coming from?" <laughs> I can't believe how game changing proper job was. Yeah. You know, actually, you yeah. think back to it, just like that for us, that was you know that was such a different beer at the time so from an established good. brewery as well. Like they yeah. had really nailed it. Yeah you know, for what the emerging kind of consumer taste buds or like what we think we want from this and just kind of like stepped it up. I just, I love that. Yeah. Love that thing. It's like a, that beer is a love letter to Chinook hops, basically. Some very and, good hops. Uh, I think it's just a really great beer and it's still a really great beer. So yeah, I've got a lot, I've got a lot of time for Sonosa and just regional, like true regional breweries like that, which are still family owned and, you know, they haven't sold out to... AB InBev or something. <laughs> that's amazing. So the uh, the other collab that's going in the works at the moment is with Adnams. Okay, fantastic. Nice. So we've fantastic. got uh, yeah. we're brewing with Adnams at, at their gaff in. It's looking like September, I think. And uh, yeah. the same thing we're we're going to have uh, we're going to do a return leg here somewhere in the autumn, I think. And that's these are to me like some of the most exciting collabs, basically. Adnams is fascinating. I mean, I've been to Southwold. I've been and experienced the you know the the, the Adnams way of doing it, and I love it. it they've they've got a soft spot in my heart. I think as a brewer, 
Oh yeah, they're super old as well, aren't they? They're, I mean, they've been so they've been here one of the oldest UK yeah. breweries, and that's fascinating. But the fact that they've tr they've always been an innovator in yeah. this space as well, I think, is fascinating. Yeah, you know, as you said, you, you mentioned the the big AB, uh, you know, and uh, this, this is kind of a, a, a company regularly, obviously, appears on this podcast because you know yeah. everyone and their dog is owned by this this monolith, yeah. you know, nowadays. So you know, we love to highlight you know the kind of companies that are still doing it their way mm, um, yeah. you know, and, and still keeping that. And I, I love that. Well, I think it's it's really important. Um, you know, the, the, ma the really, truly mass-produced beers that are owned by these, the breweries that are owned by AB InBev or Heineken or whatever, there is a place for that kind of beer. You know, I'm, sure. I drink those beers occasionally as well. I'm not going to pretend that I don't. Um, yeah. But I, I would say, by definition, they're less interesting uh, oh, yeah. in, in all yeah. all facets you know they're less, they're less interesting if unless you're super geeky about clinical process or you know the super tight tolerances in um the color of a beer and it, the flavor and stuff but it just saps all the excitement out of it you know we don't try so we're we're in a position now as an example we're in a position now to select our hops because we contract over a certain tonnage per variety so for citra mosaic simcoe um strata galaxy to an extent with galaxy we can actually go choose our hops um and that means that you either embrace fluctuations in year-on-year -year growth. It's a natural product. So Galaxy this year or Simcoe this year is going to be different to Simcoe next year or where it's grown. And there, there's different approaches to this. You can either be fascinated with the variation and embrace it, or you can be fearful of it and, uh, and say that, oh, it's going to fuck up our products and people are going to no notice that they're like light bulbs changed or headbands changed or changed. and I'm the moment that it becomes that I'm bored so it's for me it's all about remaining excited so it's like you know this is the Simcoe 2023 harvest from that farm and it's like you know I've never smelt Simcoe that smelt like peaches but that's the Simcoe <laughs> I want and that's going in all the beers for Simcoe now that's that's where we're at. We always want to remain excited about whatever we're doing, and I think if it, it you know, if you get engulfed any other way with any other ideals beyond remaining excited about it, then it's just kind of a spiral towards what exactly? I don't know. Throw in my second bad analogy of <laughs> the episode you <laughs> struck me as the kind of person you, you're having like you you're having a takeaway. You having the same thing every week? Yeah. No, you try something else. You never yeah. know. You might hit on an absolute winner. Yeah. Whereas sure. you, you know, you can be very happy with the same thing over and over and over again. But um, you, you never know if you're going to give something else a go, right? Yeah. But I love as well that in, in that point as well, Nanji, Matt, is that it's with what you guys are doing with Vedant is it's not just about you know, you want to go and have a madras from the place across the street. It's like, you know, you can have the madras from your favorite place, but it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. And that's what keeps bringing you back. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not always the same thing. And I love that. I, I think, it, uh, and again, going back to the further comment we were talking about before, you know, it's still got this red thread that this is through and through your beer. Yeah. You know, but it's a, it's a ever so slightly every single time. And I just think that is, as a, as a product, that is something that is, you know, 
like fashion brands strive to achieve is the fact this whole drop strategy where you can only have it for a limited time and blah blah and all this craziness that go around it. But the fact that you do that already just naturally, I mean that's marketing gold. I mean obviously you can see where I work in marketing and sales, you know, and I'm going, oh, you know, Jesus, I see it. Yeah, wow. I wouldn't, don't run with that verdant madras idea though. Personally. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, you never know. Well, you okay. could you could kind of go with the the perfect beer to accompany a madras. Well, this brings me to to, to a very important question. I I've been trying home brewing myself recently. Yeah. I've, I've I've entered into the home brewing. In all honesty, I'm not that great at it, um, and I <laughs> oh, too yeah. modest, honestly. And I'm, I'm pro- sure you're. I'm sure you're perf- You're great at it. Like, <laughs> you, no, don't, no, don't don't humour him, James. Please, you know, honestly, don't encourage so, this so, behaviour. So, so, so I can. I created and I gave and we and we did a whole episode around with my all of my. So I created some beers and then we did it. We did an episode around of my homebrew and I created a chili beer. Um, it might have been too much chili. Some would say yeah. that it's, but is there a place in the market for a chili beer that's <laughs> maybe a bit too much? Do you are you talking about chili temperature, or are yeah. you talking about I'm, chili spice? Oh, chili spice. I'm talking oh, okay. kind of like coughing I'm, when you drink it. I'm being of. I'm being facetious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I yeah, there's loads of chili beers out there, but whether there are chili beers out there that are taking it to the extreme <laughs> and there's a place for that i don't know i've personally <laughs> always struggled a little bit with beers with chili and <laughs> they kind of often get paired with chocolate chocolate stouts that kind of thing yeah it, it was yeah. It, it was not a cho- it, 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 it was an ipa so <laughs> interesting did you was it an IPA that tasted sort of coconutty and limey and like a Thai curry? Because that could have worked. No, it literally tasted like chilli, which is the worst part. It's like quite painful. Oh. It's uh, like Tabasco. Beer, okay, kind of thing. <laughs> but I mean, maybe you could just use it as a an ingredient in cooking. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Adding, like that, adding, yeah. su- adding sugar it's, it's like a, a stock I, you know? I think I said this at the time a, a beer batter for fish and chips yeah with a, with, oh. with a bit of chilli exactly I reckon Perfect. we found a place there, for there it guys go. I honestly I didn't think that was possible there's a total there's a gap there's a gap in the market for canned it's beers that are specifically for uh, additions to your cookery okay has, has yeah. anyone done that <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're looking at one from Weymouth <laughs> yeah. right now. That's that's all. <laughs> you know, you get those like you get chicken stock things, don't you? And yeah. you, you pop the little gel things out. They're actually really good. Yeah, yeah. So maybe there's like yeah. a, you know, that or a. It's the uh, that's the IPA or the red ale yeah. going in the stew, and it, it's marketed like that little like slimline tonic style style cans. <laughs> okay, I think we're hitting on yeah. something. Should we, should we start a first, company? Ah, that, that's actually a g- genius idea. Yeah, let's do it. Rich, we're going to work on the business plan. We'll send it over to James to have a look over first. But I think this is great. We'll go to market next week. That sounds great. There you go. Do that, mate. That's perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Highly carbonated for nice fluffy batter. That's the one. Yeah. (laughs) I've I've got one more. The thing is, you kind of answered it a little bit earlier. I was going to ask you your favourite non-verdant beer. I think you kind of touched Mm. on that with. Uh, St. Austell's and proper job. I don't know, any honourable mentions that you would go to as well? Yeah, I think so. So uh, let me have a go. Favourite non-verdant beers. I've got uh, 
huge soft spot for Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, well. um, I love that. Great beer. Yeah, that was definitely that. one of the gateway ones for me, and I, I would happily, I do still buy that in in the bottle. I just think it's lovely. Um, yeah, I think it would be, you know, some some breweries where it's, you you can't really get them here, but I've been fortunate enough to drink them. So I've always really enjoyed the output from Russia and Russian River brewing in um california so it pliny the elder that kind of stuff blind pig it's just beautifully balanced and clean westies um i've really enjoyed and always enjoy output from the alchemist um up in vermont uh i think my favorite one from the alchemist is focal banger citra mosaic it's just it's always just a beautiful IPA. Uh, in, in terms of the UK, I yeah, I've I just love a good bitter. <laughs> I love <laughs> yes. when uh, yes. when Ti- when Timothy Taylor is on song <laughs> and, and doesn't you know when I when I say on song, it's like the diastole is down is yeah. dialed down. Um, and it's you listening, that, Rich? And it's got that lovely. It's just good, good condition and stuff. I think it's a beautiful pint. I'm so glad um, you said that. <laughs> this is the best thing that's happened to this podcast ever, honestly, because I, I, we're leading you into this, James, because these guys have had an ongoing <laughs> you know, back and forth about Timothy Taylor. A polite disagreement. And, and I'm pleased that you can weigh in here as a heavyweight on the... On the I don't, don't class me as a heavyweight. It's just my... Everyone's got... <laughs> Everyone's got their own opinions, haven't they? I, I think T- Timmy Taylor does very because it kind of lives or dies by that diastole buttery mm. thing. Mm. Sometimes it's quite full on, and sometimes it, I think it needs it to a little, a little bit in there. It kind of works, but when it when it's got that balance just right, it's really beautiful. Mm. And um, the uh, with Adnams, it's brought broadside, specifically bottled broadside, yes. which is I think six yeah. percent. It's like it's just yeah. stupend- stupendous, raisiny, so pruny thing, you know. So that that UK and well, really English uh, cask brewing heritage. There's some mm. absolute stunners there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I'm just trying to think what else. Oh, la- lagers, lagers! Hell, I love good German. Well, apparently lagers. they're coming back. So. They are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are honestly so good. Good. For me, it's all about um, Munich style Hellers, the yeah, Tegense yeah, and yeah, Augustina yeah. and Eyinger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any any output from those three are, are just so so good. I want to ask you on on that. Like, what do you think are the styles of beers that you're seeing like are going to come back in the next couple of years? You know, what, above we've seen, you know, like red beers, for example, have really taken on a life of their own in the last couple of years. Sours. Have taken an interest. Sours, obviously, has exploded. You know? I think yeah. it's not so much specific styles. I think it's mm-hmm. doing the doing the style, existing styles justice. So by that, I mean okay. really bringing the level of consistency up. So I, I touched on the whole embracing variability in, in different ingredients year on or the same ingredient but different crop years for example that's that's i'm t- i totally agree with that but the the counter to that is 
is trying to be very, very consistent in the overall quality of the product. So I think that um, whether it's UK lager production, it, for example, it would be not just more lagers from breweries, it would be better quality lagers from UK breweries. And so transpose that to any beer style across the world, I would, I, I would hope and I think that that's really where we're, where we're moving. There might be some brand new styles coming out, but it's the biggest buzz I get is seeing um, comments about our beers and consistency cons in terms of consistently exciting, consistently this, consistently verdant, you know. I very rarely see comments about people saying, you know, oh, light bulbs changed or this is no longer this. It's it's always, uh, I think, you know, people are up for embracing all those fluctuations, but you live or die by the quality of the output. They're two different things. Well, this is, I've, I've tried the three beers you guys sent us tonight and the, the consistency across all three, I've enjoyed every single one. There's not been one I've gone, you know what, that's not hit the mark. I've drank every single one in the space of about an hour, which is probably not great for my <laughs> sleep pattern later. <laughs> but yeah. luckily I'm not working tomorrow. But um, nice. I've, I've enjoyed every single one and I've gone, you know what, that it's tasted slight. It's, it's, there's been a different taste for each one and I've gone, you know what, I've enjoyed each different variant that that in each can. So yeah, there's generally hats off to hats off to you for these three. They are, they are fantastic. To build on that as well, James, I think, you know, I've, I've, I've drunk Verdant, you know, since the uh, first I had it in London, I want to say like four years ago. Now, I was maybe that one one pub that you said that you, you you know sent to at that point. And it's still mind-blowing, the, the beer that you guys are producing, because oh, wow. it just is for so full of flavor. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, the, what anyone who's going to consume your beers is going to take for take away from this as a lasting kind of memory of your beers is how flavorsome yeah. they are you know you, uh, it makes so much more sense with your background and what you try to put into your beers mm. if that's what you're trying to achieve because this is this is the kind of the you know anyone that's kind of you know I, I talk to who says what are the kind of craft beers that we would recommend or kind of beers that we recommend your guys list is you're always on the top list because yeah. it's like if you want something that's always going to be solid and it's always going to give you you know no matter if you're going to introduce another friend to it Get a verdant in yeah. because you know it's going to be solid. And I think it goes back to what you were talking about, that consistency that you're looking to achieve. And I think you've, you're getting it every single time. Oh, wow. Oh, well, they're super kind words. Thank you very much. That's like, you know, honestly, that just makes me feel lovely. And if, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let the everyone know that if they listen or don't listen to this podcast, <laughs> I'll make sure it, it, I'll make sure that people hear these kind words. It does mean a lot, you please, know. Please do. Pass that on to your brewing team because I think you guys are doing some fantastic stuff. Now. Well, we're um, very fortunate. We've got a lot of good humans involved in Verdant. They passionately care about the, the products, you know, and that's priceless, really. I mean, it's... What what else can you achieve beyond that? I'm not really sure. You know, it's like <laughs> the the rest is history. If you've got that in place, then you know where you you can go anywhere you want. And that's all we have time for in this week's episode of the I'll Try That podcast. And so from me, Joe, Rich, Barber, and Simo, goodbye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, I'll Try That Podcast dot com, and watch us on YouTube. Goodbye now. <laughs>